welcome. Thanks for uh, thanks for being here, and thanks for joining us this morning on a. Man, it's getting hot out there, um, but man, here we are. It's a beautiful Sunday morning, and uh, we're in church. You know, we're in a building, and uh, this is good that we're doing this. We should be doing this. Uh, This is just a little fraction of what we should be doing as a church. But as far as Sunday mornings go, uh, we should. It's good. It's biblical. Uh, But man, it's just a small piece of it. Um, But here we are. Here we are. We're we're meeting together. And uh, man, I really just want to start off... um, you know, just uh, things uh, things I've been working through, I always seem to be working through, and I'm sure that uh, the things I work through are pretty consistent with what you work through. Just because I'm a pastor, it doesn't mean um, I don't have struggles. It doesn't mean uh, I don't have sin in my life. It doesn't mean um, I don't have the same kind of uh, obstacles that you do. Uh, man, uh, I've been really kind of uh, gra- grappling with grief uh, lately, um, for some time now, probably in the past uh, six months or more, and it kind of like really came to a, a head when a, a cousin of mine, which I may have shared with you, I don't remember, uh, I think he was like maybe 30, um, he died, he overdosed uh, uh, of, I believe, heroin. They found him on the, the steps of a church, uh, dead. Um, he was struggling for a long time, probably 10 years, um, with a drug addiction. And uh, it was just something that he couldn't get out of. Um, everybody tried. Uh, everybody tried and did what they could, but um, it, it just didn't work. Um, and, and that happened. Um, just, just really sad, really tragic. Um, we knew him to be a believer, um, but just because you, you're a believer and you, know, you have the gospel working in and through you, it does not mean that you, you don't face these things in our lives. And um, it was something that he really struggled with. Uh, he didn't want it, but he got himself in it. Um, he didn't want it, and he couldn't get out. And uh, just dealing with the, the grief that comes along with that. And man, you know, if we're being really honest with ourselves, uh, grief is just a, it, it's a part of this world, is it not? Um, it's just, it's a, it's a sad part of this world. It's in the world and, you know, we can kind of protect ourselves as much as possible and keep ourselves in like a bubble um, and do our best to like, you know, have everything perfect and there won't be any grief in my life. But man, you can do that and it might work for a little while. It's going to catch up. It's going to catch up with all of us and um, we're going to grieve in our lives and grief is just a part of life we can't get away from it because we just can't get away from sin from sin and its devastating effects uh, on the world uh, and on our lives and uh, it's kind of like suffering grief you know uh, somebody once said and I'm sure I've used this in a sermon that suffering uh, grief just like suffering is we're always either suffering or we're about to suffer or we're moving out of suffering, right? It's just this constant cycle. And it's really the same thing with grief. You know, we're either grieving or we're coming out of grieving or we're about to go into grieving. Um, It's just one thing after another in our lives and uh, we're in that cycle and uh, we, we really can't get out of it. You know, before sin came into the world, Before sin came into the world, Adam and Eve enjoyed perfect union with God and perfect union with his creation. And then they disobeyed God and sin came into the world. 
Sin came into the world and it ushered in fear. It ushered in brokenness. It ushered in brokenness and it ushered in death into the world. I don't know about you guys, but you might think like death is normal. But when we look in scripture, it's not normal. Death is not a normal part of life. I mean, yeah, like it's very common and we're all going to die, you know, here in this body. But it's not actually really a normal thing. (laughs) It's actually the most devastating side effect of sin. And it should not be happening because that's not how it was once before. But now, now we're here. Here we are. Uh, we, we grieve and we're in this world of fear and brokenness and insecurity and death. Man, some of y'all are looking at me like, what a way to start a sermon. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, like, we got we to we face these things. We've got to face these things. You know, there's just facts of life that we have to face head on. And it's not always pretty and happy and joyful. But we've got to work through these things. And I will say, in the midst of this endless cycle of grief that we're in, in the midst of this, this endless cycle of grief, there's actually more to be hopeful for than to grieve for. There is actually a lot more to be hopeful for than to grieve for. We're in this study in 1 Thessalonians. Uh, we like to start a book of the Bible, right? Uh, we, we start from the beginning and we go chunk by chunk each Sunday morning and we teach through from beginning to end a whole book of the Bible so we get a clear, large, big picture view of what the Bible actually says. Okay, and we've been doing that in First Thessalonians. That's our next study. We're in this uh, letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Thessalonica uh, in modern-day Greece. In modern-day Greece, so in the Roman Empire back then. And this, this series is called Caught Up. It's about being caught up in Christ. And when we're caught up in Christ, it means being caught up in hope. It means being caught up in hope. And because of hope, grief has a finish line. Grief has a finish line because of hope. Paul, he, he settles these fears. The, Thessalon- the Thessalonians have these fears, okay? They, they have these people, these loved ones in their church, these loved ones in Christ. Uh, they've been dying. They've been dying and they are grieving. They're really struggling with this. And one of the things that they're grieving about is, man, because Paul had shared with them details about Jesus' return, that Jesus is going to come again. He shares with them details about Jesus' return and they're grieving, A, because their friends have died or their family members, their loved ones in Christ have died, right? They're grieving over that. But then they're also grieving over the fact like, man, they're going to miss out on this awesome thing, Jesus' return. They're going to miss out on this awesome thing. And they're grieving about that. So Paul, he settles their fears by reminding them of the, the, one of the greatest promises of the Christian faith. It's one of the greatest promises of the Christian faith, but also it's one of the most misinterpreted scriptures, the most misinterpreted promises of the Christian faith, and that's Jesus' return for his bride. It's Jesus' return for his bride. He's coming back to catch his bride to rescue his bride, the church. 
The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is going to come back and return and take us with him. We don't know when it is. We'll, we'll talk about those things as the scripture dictates uh, the next few weeks, including today. But he settles these fears for these Thessalonian Christians. And gosh, you know, the, as I thought about it, uh, just the topic of like Jesus's return uh, has been like a storyline uh, for endless books, uh, endless magazines, endless movies. You know, uh, it, it's just, it's sparked um, endless speculation and, and debate. It even has sparked fanaticism, you know, fanaticism. People, oh my gosh, Jesus is going to return. What's it going to be like? Oh, that's crazy. You know, it's, it's, there's, there's something about like this, uh, this supernatural like like way about about it and we're like people are just kind of obsessed about it and oftentimes over obsessed about it and what happens sadly is people were 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 more fascinated by this supernatural nature of his return than actually knowing the implications of it on our daily life we're fascinated by this supernatural mysterious thing right of Jesus's return but we're, we don't actually, right, we should be more fascinated with its implications on our daily life. And that's just not how people are. That's often not how we are. I mean, that's what Paul wants to do. He wants to help us understand what this actually means for our everyday life. And with a few weeks left in our study today, it actually begins this two-part section in 1 Thessalonians, uh, which Paul, he takes us into the clouds, right? He takes us into the clouds, he talks about these things. He addresses Jesus' return uh, today and next Sunday. But then he also brings us back down to earth, making it very clear its implications on our daily life. We must never forget that, the implications uh, of this that it has on our daily life. So let's get into the scripture. We're in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13, and it's there on the screen. It says this, it says, But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep. Asleep is another uh, word for who, who are dead. Brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. You may not grieve as others who, do ha who have no hope. So the Thessalonians, as I said, were struggling with how to reconcile their understanding of the death of their loved ones. They feared that, uh, that their loved ones in Christ who died before Christ's return would miss the blessing of this event. I mean, it's pretty like spectacular, Jesus' return, if we're like thinking about this honestly and practically. You know, everything that we believe is it's faith. So, so when, we, when we know about, about Jesus' return and the details of it, which we'll get into in just a couple minutes, um, man, it's like wild. It's like insane. You know, but, but, but it, it, it still always comes down to faith. It still always comes down to belief. And it's going to be a blessing to be able to experience this, what, what, what we're going to experience. And Paul, this is, this is huge, okay? Paul... Paul did not want them to know the details of Jesus' return for the sake of knowing them. He didn't want them to know the details of Jesus' return for the sake of knowing them. He didn't want them to know these details to satiate like a vain desire. 
to satiate like a vain desire, which we see around us in people like, oh my gosh, like what's going to happen? It's going to be awesome. They just want to know. Like we just want to know what's going to happen. That's not why he was sharing these details. He was giving detail for an important and practical purpose. If we miss that important practical purpose, if all we do is focus on the details of Jesus' return and how cool it's going to be and how like, mysterious and supernatural it's going to be, we're completely missing it. We're completely missing it. If we, if we ignore the practical and important purpose of the reason that he is giving these details on Jesus' return, which is to minister to our grief to minister to their grief. Because we see it right there in the text. Why he is giving these details. That you may not grieve as others do, who have no hope. I'm giving you this so you don't grieve. You're grieving, so I am sharing you these important details on Jesus' return. This was important because to sorrow like those who have no hope was to forget the purpose for which Jesus came. And that was to rescue us. It was to rescue us. Y'all want to be rescued? Yeah? <laughs> A couple people there. <laughs> I do. You know, we, we just love the idea and the thought of being rescued, do we not? We love it so much. We even see it in culture, in art. I love movies. Y'all know I love movies. I think I refer to movies every sermon I preach because I'm so impacted by movies. I love the Marvel movies. You know that. I've said that. I love them. And maybe one of the reasons why I love them is because I want to be rescued. I know this world is broken. I know I'm struggling in this world with sin and brokenness, and I just want to be rescued and the reason why I love these movies, maybe, is because these movies are just filled with stories about rescue. Filled with stories about a hero that comes to save the day, that comes to rescue people. There is a reason why our art in these movies have these themes, because it's embedded in our hearts. Man, there's a reason why we spend billions of dollars you know, Avengers Endgame is, is, is vying for the top grossing spot ever, movie ever. $2.8 billion. That's a lot of money. We spend so much money on these movies. I do it. It's because they have these themes that we love. And these directors and producers and writers, they write these movies because it's in their heart too. It's in their heart too. They want to be rescued. Does it sell? Sure, yeah, it sells. But the reason it sells is because it's in our hearts. We want to be rescued. Man, we want to be captured by a, by a hero. And here we are. It appeals us to be rescued. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to, to be sad, guys. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. But like the scriptures, not to sorrow like others who don't have this biblical hope of Christ. To not sorrow like they do. To not grieve like they do. But we shouldn't also look at other people like, oh, I have this. I have this and they don't have this. So I'm like some kind of a special person. That's not it at all. Man, we should be sharing this hope with other people. 
We should be sharing this hope with other people and inviting them in to this hope. This, this answer to our grief, this answer to our sorrow. So Paul is setting them up for hope, and he shows them where to anchor their hope in. And Scripture says this, so he continues, For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep, who have died. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself, here we go, here's the details, all right? Here comes the details. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven. Remember, Jesus ascended into heaven uh, in the beginning of Acts, Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascended into heaven. The disciples saw it. And it says, for the Lord himself will descend. So he's going to come back just like he left. He's going to come back just like he left. The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Their grief and hopelessness was the direct result. It was actually the direct result of their failure to understand death from God's perspective. It was their failure to understand death from God's perspective. Whenever we don't understand something from God's perspective, it leads to confusion, it leads to fear, it leads to worry, it leads to hopelessness in our lives, it leads to fear. Paul was giving them God's perspective. Always. This is, Scripture is God's perspective. His perspective on things. So this was, it was the confident belief of the Apostle Paul and the, early church, and the early Christians that Jesus was going to return, and he was going to return just like he left. Just like he left. And the anchor, listen, the anchor that Paul leads them to, to minister to their grief. It's actually not really Jesus' return, although it's a part of it. It's the gospel. It's the gospel itself. He says, for, for since we believe that Jesus died and rose again. That's the gospel. That's how he ministers to them and how God is ministering to us. He ministers through the gospel itself. He encourages them to anchor their hope in the death and resurrection of Jesus. In the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because it gives us the, the blueprint. It gives us the blueprint for life, and it gives us the blueprint for death. It gives us the blueprint for life in that when we put our faith and trust in Christ for salvation, we die to our sin. It doesn't mean sin just goes away and we're not sinful anymore, but we die to it. Sin no longer has power over us. We still struggle with it. But sin no longer has power over us. We die to our sin. Right? Jesus died and Jesus was buried. So when we die to our sin, our old self is buried. Jesus was resurrected. Our old self is buried. And then we are resurrected into new life with Christ. 
That's how the gospel works in our life. It's a blueprint for our life, but the gospel is also a blueprint in death. It's a blueprint in death. We are going to rise. We are going to be resurrected. Man, if we die in Christ, we will be resurrected with Jesus when he comes, when he returns. And Paul is like, look at the gospel. When is the gospel never your answer? When is the gospel never your hope? We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is where our hope always resides. That is where our, the power always resides. The manner in which Jesus will gather us to himself is it's pretty impressive. I mean, we're literally like, going to be flying. You guys ever wanted to fly before? I think it would be pretty cool to fly. But there's going to be like a moment, probably a moment, where we're actually going to be literally flying in the air. This isn't like, this isn't like you know, metaphorical. This is really going to happen. For moments, we are going to be in the air with Jesus, and he is going to be catching us up, snatching us up, and bringing us with him to eternal life. Man, this is like really impressive when you read it, when you read the words. It's really going to happen. We're going to be flying like Iron Man. We're not going to have like engines on our feet to boost us and propel us. It's going to be Jesus just giving us this. He's going he's to be making it happen. Right? But the main point, the main point of this is not the impressiveness of it. We cannot miss this. The main point of this is whatever our state, dead or alive, at the Lord's coming, we will always be with the Lord. We will always be with Jesus. We will always be with him. This is the great reward of heaven, to be with Jesus. The reward is not being in heaven and, you know, it's, it's not going to be floating in clouds or anything like that. The reward is not, you know, I don't know all the things that we make up in our heads. But it's not going to be those things. It's going to be the mere presence of Jesus. And it's going to be all-consuming, all-satisfying. All of our contentment is going to be in Jesus. We're going to have all of the joy. Sometimes we're joyful here. It's going to be pure, 100% unadulterated joy, as we will always be with the Lord for eternal life. That is the main point here, and that is what Paul is trying to do in ministering to their grief. He's ministering to their grief. And this is cause for great hope in our day-to-day -day life. In our day-to-day -day life. It puts grief in its rightful place. Because like I said earlier, grief has a finish line. Grief has a finish line. We can be sad for our loss, but it should quickly turn to the joy of their gain. For that person that we love, that's in Christ. We can be sad for our loss, but it will quickly turn to joy because of their gain. 
I just was at a funeral, uh, man, like a month ago. My, one of my good friends, Keith Grant, I know his father really well, Ed. Uh, he died, and we went to his funeral, his memorial, and it was just kind of a, an odd mixture of, of grief and sadness, but also just this tremendous uh, permeating joy. It was really, it was a celebration. You could sense it was like a, a sending off, right? It was a sending off. It was a celebration, right? Ed has, has, has moved on. And listen, we can be sad. It's okay. There's a place for that. You know, we're not, you know, we're not called to be robots. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to grieve. But not like those who have no hope. We have hope. And we see it in the gospel. We have this hope. Because the hope of the world that we see, I've said this before, the hope of the world is, is mere, it's wishful thinking. Is it not? I think a lot of people, they, they have this hope, but they don't really know, like, it's not like really tangible. It's kind of just like, man, I, I wish this would happen. It's more like wishful thinking but the hope we have in Christ is this biblical hope. It's grounded in reality. It's grounded in reality. It's grounded in a past event, which is the cross, that Jesus died for the forgiveness of our sins. It's grounded in reality. It's grounded in a past event, the cross. And because of the resurrection, it's grounded in a future. It's grounded in a future. Right? Paul shows them the gospel. Anchor your hope in the gospel. We will certainly live because Jesus lives. And our, our union with him is stronger than death. Our union with him is stronger than death. This is why we do not sorrow as those who have no hope and why we have more than a wishful hope, more than just wishful thinking. Because we have a past event in the cross. And because of the resurrection of Jesus it's grounded in a future. A future. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Well, the scripture says in verse 18, it says, Therefore, encourage one another with these words. It's pretty simple. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We're going to be literally caught up in the air. We, we've discussed that. We're going to be literally caught up in the air with Jesus someday. But until then, being caught up in hope means being grounded in biblical community. It means being grounded in biblical community, encouraging one another in these words encouraging one another that we will always be with the Lord. Man, if we're not in biblical community, how are we being encouraged? Yes, we have God's word. But we need people living this out in their lives around us. We need to be encouraging one another. Paul did not tell them to take comfort. What does he say? But to give comfort. To give comfort. To encourage one another. He doesn't say to take comfort because that's the way God works. In the way that God works, we always receive comfort as we give it. 
We always receive comfort as we give it. It is more blessed to give than to receive, Jesus said. It is more blessed to give than to receive. We give first, and then we receive. Oftentimes, man, we just want to receive. You know, just give me, give me, give me, 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 you know? Sometimes we can just really be like a black hole and just suck other people's emotions in and just take it all for ourselves. You know, I'm grieving and just come beside me and just spoil me and just take care of me. No. You encourage somebody else. God will take care of you. Don't worry about it. Trust Him. You encourage somebody else with these words. And when you do that, you will receive the comfort that we need, the encouragement that we need. We need not like grieve like others do. Because of the resurrection, death isn't an end. Death isn't an end. It's only, it's a, it's a beginning. It's not dying. It's not dying. That's why they say asleep. That's how God sees things. When somebody dies and they're in Christ, they're, they're, they're just sleeping. They will wake up again. They will be resurrected. It's not dying. It's, it's, it's moving. I'm tired of moving. I've, I've moved probably 15, 20 times in my life. I'm 40. But this moving, this moving, man, I can't wait. I can't wait. But in the meantime, in the meantime, I'm to allow this to have its implications in my daily life. And not obsess over the details of Jesus' return. Should we receive them and take them? Yes, absolutely. Do we believe it? Yes. But Paul has given us this for a clear, direct purpose, and that's to minister to their grief, to minister to our grief, and we're to do the same for others. To be in biblical community, encouraging one another with these words. It's moving. And for these reasons, followers of Jesus should not sorrow as others do who have no hope. But then we should also be sharing this hope with people in their lives and inviting them into this hope in their lives. Let's pray.